Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I chat with Kate Herner. Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. A little about Kate. Kate is a certified personal trainer, group fitness instructor, and nutrition coach. She has had years of fad dieting, cardio junkie, always obsessing over calories and miles on the treadmill, but after sustaining an extreme overuse injury that put her on crutches for months, her perspective on fitness totally changed. So we're going to talk a little bit about her transformation and the mindset that she had while she was dealing with some of these setbacks. Um, She also talks about her Lyme's disease and, um, you know, basically how to kind of come over the um, plateaus that you might be experiencing, um, how we have seen some of the fitness classes like Orange Theory and um, like Core Power Yoga transform um, the fitness industry. So it's a really awesome topic, um, just kind of about mindset and fitness, nutrition and health. Um, So I really hope you guys will tune into today's um, episode with Kate as well as her podcast. So she has a podcast um, with Emily Goff and uh, it's really good. It's the Fit and Nourished Mind podcast and that's also on iTunes. So um, after you're done tuning in today, make sure you check out Kate's podcast. Without further ado, here is today's interview with Kate. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. Today I have Kate Herner on with me, and um, I was practicing her last name, so I got it right. <laughs> and um, I'm super excited because Kate actually was in a mastermind with me last year, and um, now we get to speak and present kind of everything that she has learned throughout her fitness journey. Um, so I'm going to kind of start off with that because I want to talk a little bit about like fitness injuries and kind of mindset around that because it is our mindset month. And I know you've kind of dealt with some injuries yourself and just kind of setbacks, um, just kind of set the stage for us all. So, you know, let's start a little bit deep diving into those, Kate. Okay, sure. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the podcast with you. Um, We had a long year together and pretty crazy stuff happened over the year, like in our businesses. So it's cool to see where we're at now. But uh, injuries, well, so that's kind of actually one of the things that got me into fitness a while ago. Um, I, I've been through a few, uh, but I used to be a hardcore runner. I did a lot of marathons and I was just really into it. One of those people that runs like miles and miles every day. And I ended up um, tearing a bunch of cartilage in my hips and I didn't realize it. I just felt a little sore, kept running on it, ran another marathon and it led to a fracture in my femur. So I was on crutches for a while. It was this whole thing. It was awful. And it kind of, it was actually a blessing, honestly, now that I look back on it, because when you're stuck in that kind of, I know a lot of women are stuck in kind of that cardio junkie mentality and all they want to do is run or hop on the elliptical. And that was totally me. Um, And I was not just addicted to it, but I felt I needed it. And to be forced to take maybe like three, four months off because I was on crutches entirely kind of reset everything for me and made me see like, oh, look, I didn't blow up like a balloon just because I'm not running five miles a day or, oh, I actually feel good. I feel less stressed. I'm healing. And it was a big turning point for me. So it was something that I really appreciate. And it sort of sent my fitness journey into a different direction. 
Mm. Yeah, that's, I think that's the biggest mindset piece that I think people run into is, you know, thinking, okay, this is the thing that's gotten me to this body. And this is what I've looked like because I've done X, Y, Z. And then they take that away from them and they're like, oh, okay, that wasn't it. Um, you know, how do you kind of get people to kind of see that shift? Cause I think that's the hardest thing is like to see, oh, it really wasn't the running that was keeping me this way. And in the end, maybe you actually are like, well, strength training, actually I've lost weight. I'm more tone and all of those little yeah. side effects. Yeah. So it, it is hard. I will say like being someone who was in it and then also coaching people who are kind of cardio junkies, it is really difficult to tell someone hop off the treadmill and go to the weight room because they just don't want to do it. So I sort of ease them in. So we'll keep up with the running or we'll keep up with whatever they're doing, but we'll add in the strength element or we'll add in some leisure walks or we'll slowly start sort of over time, add in little things and take a little bit away from the running as we go um, so that they can see the changes. And honestly, that was like when I started finally lifting weights, I think I did a body pump class um, with my sister way back when she kind of forced me into it. And I kind of committed to myself. I was back to normal health after running and this was something new. I said, okay, I'll stick to it for two, three weeks. If I don't like the way I feel, then I'll stop. And I never looked back because it was incredible. So I always tell people that and I try to get them to do some little things on top of their running until they start to see that change and they'll see some strength and some muscle on their bodies and they'll like it and then they'll want more and then we transition. But it's hard. It's a, it's a slow process for sure. Mm, yeah. I love that you said it's a slow process because I think that's key. Because I think again, uh, like the marketing of the fitness industry, you know, like it's, especially now, cause we're in January, we're right, like right in the heat of all the diets and the crazy gadgets. Like I've seen so many new crazy gadgets on TV and I'm like, Oh man, I'm sure people are buying these. I know my mom probably did, which I tell her every year she's, I come home and I'm like, why, why did we buy this? <laughs> and so like, how can we kind of, um, shift and pivot kind of in the fitness industry as a whole to get people to understand, okay, I know that they're pulling on those emotions that's what they're geared to do. But like, how can we kind of get them to say it is a slow, it is a long-term process rather than those short, short term, like I need to lose 20 pounds in a month. Yeah. Well, so it kind of depends, I think, uh, when or where the people are starting from that you're working with or where whoever's listening is starting from. Because if you are someone who's new to fitness, it can be super overwhelming. I mean, I've had people come in to train with me and we walk to warm up and after two minutes they're winded. And they've never been in a gym before. They don't know how to use anything. So it's really, for me, uh, back to basics kind of movement. And even for the people that feel like they're experienced, maybe you're an experienced runner or maybe you go to CrossFit every day. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other things that you can't learn about and see the benefits of. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with our the fitness industry in general is people kind of get, they get obsessed with one thing. And then they ignore everything else. So I always tell people to try and mix things up and see the benefits of other things instead of just, you know, you don't have to go to Barry's boot camp every single day or you don't have to go to CrossFit every single day. You can mix in some yoga or some leisure walks or maybe you're running if you're not a runner. Give that a try. It's, it's all about kind of variety, in my opinion. Mm, yes, I agree with that as well because that's, you know, that's how you avoid injuries. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it was a running thing, you know, just the over and over. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I know as you were saying that, I was like, man, I wonder if I have some torn cartilage in my hip. Yeah. Describing a running injury because that's when my hip 
which it did not, my hip has been totally fine until um, I just got back from my trip. And Mm -hmm. I was like, why is my hip locking up on me? And I'm like, I wonder if this is from running. And I, I, I ran a half marathon like now two years ago since becoming a mom time frame also changes since you can't remember anything, but I think it was like two years ago. And, um, I just had this nagging hip, like almost like it's jamming into the socket. Um, and so that like you just saying that I'm like, wow, that I've stopped because it didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. I didn't like, um, you know what it was doing to my body, but I think so many of us kind of do get stuck into that. You know, this is it rather than saying, well, what else is out there for me? Um, you know, I really only like this one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that can be sometimes the hard thing too, is trying to get people to try other things. Um, any tips for that? Like if someone's like, but this is the only thing I love. Cause I actually have a few people who are dealing with that currently. Yeah. I, well, I try to play devil's advocate. Like, why is that the only thing you love? Like, what about it specifically do you love? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that don't really realize what else there is. They, maybe they have a gym membership and they go to the gym and they don't do classes or anything. They just get in, they beeline straight to, you know, whatever area they usually go to. And they're kind of blinded they don't really see everything else around them. And fitness, I mean, one of the awesome things about the industry is that there's so many options. I mean, there's so many studios now and there's just all different sorts. I mean, the crazy stuff, the trampoline uh, classes that you can take, or there's the, um, the aerial classes. Those things fascinate me. I don't think I could do it, but it's crazy. But there's so many different ways to get exercise now. And I, I think a lot of people just kind of get stuck in their own little space and don't look around. So I like to ask people what it is they like. Maybe the runners just really like that cardio high and you can get that by adding in some weights, maybe doing like a Metcon workout and even trying like a CrossFit workout and seeing how you like it. I find a lot of runners end up liking that kind of workout because they still get that high from it. So it really depends. I mean, there's a lot of crossover in different types of fitness, but it just matters. You have to, you know, you have to look into what it is that you really want from it and try and find something else. Mm. And let's talk about the mindset of defining what exercise and working out is. Cause I think this is also something that I've evolved with myself, mm. but what do you describe as exercise and like a workout and, or do you differentiate the two terms or how do you go about that and kind of mindset with people? Ooh, that's an interesting one. I, I like to think of it more as like movement and exercise. So you know, I still think people need to get some strength training in. So they need to work out once in a while, depending on where you start. That might just mean a couple of times a week. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but I want to always emphasize with my clients to be getting in movement every single day. So even if that just means walking, I mean, I do have a Fitbit and I love it. And I love when my clients have it because it's a great way for them to gauge whether or not they're moving. If you have a thousand steps at the end of the day, and maybe you need to focus a little bit more on, you know, taking that lunch break and going for a walk and that, you know, neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That's what need is. And that's just our movement that isn't, you know, your hardcore workout. So carrying in the groceries, going for a walk, like I was saying before, climbing up the stairs to get to work, all those things kind of count as neat. So it's not a full workout that you're doing, but you are getting your movement in and you are expending energy when you do it. Yes. And that's like, I mean, even if you are someone who like taps their leg, like I, my leg is always yeah. shaking those little <laughs> extra movements. Like that is all part of like neat and what it's considered. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really good book and that, why is it escaping me? Um, I've talked about it a bazillion times in the podcast. 
And I cannot remember the title, but it's super good in um, just kind of opening your eyes. And I will put it in the show notes because I can't remember it. Um, just about movement. Because I think sometimes we get stuck in that it has to be an hour. It has to be so hardcore. Um, you know, just because, again, of the marketing game that has been going on for years. Um, and just kind of getting out of that mindset of just being like, you know what, I can go outside and garden. And that can totally, quote unquote, count um, yeah. as movement, which I think sometimes you know, I have clients who will tell me I didn't get, you know, I'm like, did you get a workout in? And they're like, no, I just went for a walk. And I'm like, that is, that's great. That is a workout. And, you know, and so just kind of reframing that in our minds. And I think it has to be kind of a cultural shift too. And just, you know, training wise too, I guess, I suppose as trainers, you know, so we can start saying that is movement that does quote unquote count, you know, well, especially in, in our day and age where I, a lot of my friends and family members work all day and late into the night. So yes. they, even if they wanted to, the gym's closed when they could go and they just have no energy. So adding in that, you know, I actually have a friend who does squats in the shower when she's getting ready for work. And that's kind of all she does every day, but aside from some walking, but it works for her and it makes her feel better. And it's the way that she gets around, you know, working all day. And then it, I mean, you just have to be creative. You could sit at your desk and lift your legs every five minutes and do things like that just to get that extra movement in. There's a lot we can do. We just got to be creative with it. Mm, I, yeah. I mean, I think that's the big thing is just kind of getting out of that box and that square thinking of it has to look a certain way when it's not, I mean, that's not the case. Right. Right. Um, what about like plateaus? Cause I think, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, I've been working out, I've been doing these hardcore workouts. I've, you know, been eating right but I'm hitting a plateau. I'm not seeing any results. You know, that I think is some of the toughest mindset to kind of push through. So what tips do you have for someone who might be like, I'm at a plateau? Yeah. So that's kind of, it goes along with what I was saying before. Actually, I always suggest trying something new, mm -hmm. eating something differently because what happens when we get in plateaus and especially for my cardio junkies that I always talk to they they get used to running. So does their body and their body starts to not only need that, but it gets used to it. And that's what you do to maintain. So maybe you run five miles every day and you eat the same meals every day, your body adjusts to make that work for it and to kind of stay in homeostasis at that level. So at a certain point, I mean, if you keep doing the same thing and you adjust completely, the only way you're going to start to see change and get off that plateau is to change something. So start doing a different kind of workout or start eating a different way or change up what you do during the day for that meat. Like we were talking about, I think those are going to make some major changes that it's scary to do. Like a lot of people don't want to do that because they don't like change. They like their routine the way it is and they don't want to touch it. But if you want change more than you want your routine, then you got to implement change. Do you have any examples from your life that maybe you've had to like do that yourself and you've seen the difference besides your running? Mm, yeah, actually, um, I had Lyme disease this summer, you know that, and it yes. put me out of commission for quite a I was going to ask time. about that too. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm happy to talk about it. It yeah. was, it was a rough point for me, but it was a really good learning lesson, lesson for me. Um, but at that point I was pretty much doing nothing all day, but resting and, you know, taking meds, whatever it was. And I couldn't do anything, not even really walk, which for me is tough. I need yeah. movement in my day. I'm used to a lot of exercise and a lot of movement. So honestly, I kind of just, I had to get used to 
the bare minimum and be really excited about, you know, being able to get up and go for a short, short walk around the block. And that made me happy. But it's one of those things that like, once you get away from all the things that you're used to in your routine, you can kind of reset everything. That's why it was a little bit of a blessing for me. Cause I, I was basically starting, you know, ground zero again, and I had to build my way back up. And so the, those little walks were super important to me and it made me appreciate uh, my body and being able to move. And a lot of people don't have that. And it was something that sort of, again, was like a fitness epiphany moment for me and changed the way I look at everything. So it, I mean, obviously I was in a plateau at that point because I wasn't doing much, but it was also, you know, a way for me to kind of pivot and go in a different direction once I healed. Oh, yeah. And if you wouldn't mind sharing, so yeah, I know you got where you were diagnosed with Lyme's disease this past year. Um, you know, talk about a little bit of the mindset around that and just kind of how to, how you push through. Cause I think that would be, I mean, if, as you had talked about, you know, just briefly now of kind of revamping everything that you kind of stood for. You're like, I have to yeah. sit still. I have to lay low and chill out. Like how did that kind of affect your life? Yeah, I would say, so I got, I actually found out I had it in early May. Um, and it was a kind of a crazy, I thought I had the flu, ended up having to go to the hospital because I passed out and it was this whole big thing. They tested me for everything under the sun and they told me a couple days later that it was Lyme disease. It takes a little while to get the test back. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, that's, that's nothing. Like I, I've known people who have had it. They just take some meds and they, they're fine. So that's not everyone. It's just a lot of people. Um, if you've had it for a decent amount of time, it can end up sticking with you and being pretty rough. So over the course of the first three weeks, it wasn't that bad. I was still kind of in the mindset like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get better soon and then I'll get back to my routine. So it's just a little while and then it's fine. Um, after about three weeks, I started getting into a little bit of a depression. I started realizing that, oh no, this could be, this could be bad. I started talking to people who've had it for years and we're still trying to heal it. And it started to get rough. And at that point, honestly, it stopped being about, oh, I need my movement. Oh, I need my exercise, which is weird for me because that was something every day of my life. I've always, okay, how many, how many steps did I get? And am I moving today? All those things. But at that point, it was more like I was just grateful to be up and awake for the day. And I was puppy sitting. My brother gave me his dog as like therapy. Um, so I was, you know, hanging out with her and taking care of her. And I just, it turned into just being grateful for life and realizing that I was lucky to have, you know, my health for the most part. And I was going through something rough, but I knew, I knew in deep in my heart that I would be okay. So it, it did, it was really just like a turning point in terms of like mental health and uh, understanding that, you know, life isn't all about making sure I run five miles every day or get to the gym every day. And uh, I think it was, like I said, good for me. And, you know, now that my, now that I've been through that, I thought I was going to back right into where I was before and get right back into my normal routine, but I'm way more relaxed about it. And kind of like we were saying before, I'm, I'm way more into just movement every day in whatever way I can do. And I'm not going to worry about it if I can't get it in, Mm. Um, which is what I kind of try and teach my clients as well, because you never know what's going to happen and you never know what's going to happen with your health and that that can really change things. So Mm. I guess that's a long winded way of telling you my story, but that that's kind of what. 
No, and you talked about it on your podcast as well, because I listened yeah. to that episode. And I mean, it's definitely if someone, you know, is going through this themselves, like, I think it's really good, um, you know, just kind of to know that there's support there, I think is probably a big thing is just having that support yeah. system. And um, do you ever, so I don't know a ton about it besides really listening to that episode was probably the most I've, you know, heard about Lyme's disease. Good. Like, is yeah. there, like, is there a cure or do you ever get rid of it or do symptoms go away or how does that kind of work within the body? Yeah. So it really depends on the person. Um, I'd say the biggest thing that I learned about it when I was going through it is that uh, is very misunderstood. So Mm -hmm. most doctors don't get it. I'm lucky enough to be in New England where it's pretty bad up here. So there's a lot of doctors that understand it pretty well. Um, But if you go anywhere outside of here, it it can be tough. Uh, Even then though, I had about I probably saw 15 doctors over the course wow. of the whole thing. And a lot of them gave me contradicting uh, opinions just because they, they couldn't definitively say one way or the other. So from what I understand, and I did a lot of my own research, but you know, it's all kind of some of it's hearsay. Uh, for the most part, if you catch it early, it's very curable. Um, you can take some antibiotics for about three weeks is the minimum you should take it. Um, and then you're good. The problem comes in. A lot of people only take it. Their doctors don't really understand it and they only give them two weeks or so of antibiotics. And that's not enough because the cycle of the Lyme is longer than that. So that ends up leading people into having it a lot longer. And that's where the problems come in. Or there's a lot of people like me who don't show symptoms until they've had it for quite some time. And then it can be a little bit more difficult to treat. So I had oral antibiotics. uh, I had IV antibiotics. Mine got complicated because I was allergic to the IV antibiotic. And yeah, it was, it was a, it was a challenge. Um, But there are, I mean, there's a lot of people who, who do struggle with it still. And, um, it's hard to find someone to talk to. Like you were saying, that support is so important. So, I mean, if anyone ever is feeling lost and they have Lyme or just something similar and want someone to talk to, I'm always open for that because I get how hard it can be. Um, But I would just say that it's super important. Self-care is super important when you're going through something like that. Whatever you have to do to get yourself in a good headspace is just crucial because it can be tough and you can kind of get into thoughts that you you've never had before and they scare you. So just keep in mind that do you got to do what you got to do to take care of yourself and have good people around you and stay positive. Mm. Yes. What about like for your nutrition for it? Like, did you do probiotics when you were on the antibiotics or like what any certain things that you did to kind of take care of yourself there? Yes, I did. Um, my lovely co-host Emily Goff gave me her favorite probiotics. So I was taking those with the antibiotics. Um, the antibiotics actually wreaked havoc on me. I had some pretty bad acid reflux from them. And Mm -hmm. at a certain point, like when you're taking antibiotics that strong, they're going to affect you a little bit. You kind of just have to be ready with, be ready to deal with it. But probiotics do help. Um, I tried keto for a little while. Uh, ketosis, I didn't get fully into ketosis. I don't think it said I did, but didn't feel like I did. Uh, but just cutting out the gluten actually made a big difference mm. um, in terms of inflammation with Lyme. It actually can cause some issues. So um, that helped. Um, <laughs> to be completely honest, though, I think trying these things just kept me focused on something that was other than the disease. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. It's going to fix me. And like, I'll, uh, if that doesn't work, I'll try something else. So in my mind, it was like, well, 
the doctors can't cure me, so I'm going to cure me, and this is what I'm going to do to do it. And kind of like a Tim Ferriss mindset, like he does all sorts of crazy stuff to, you know, change his body and fix things. I don't know if anyone knows Tim Ferriss, but he had Lyme. So I listened to his podcast quite a bit when I was going through it. But, you know, it was that, a little bit of that self-care, just like keeping my mind off of it and focused on something else. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant for many things. I mean, even in the, in the middle of a hard workout, you can also be like, well, yeah, I'm on a right. beach and I'm running on the beach, not on the yeah. trail. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, well, thank you for sharing your story because I definitely am. Yeah. Um, I think that will be, you know, inspirational for people listening. And, you know, even if they haven't had limes, like just knowing, okay, that maybe they're going through a tough time and okay, it, you know, it does yeah. get better. You know, you just got to keep pushing through. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Um, so I kind of have the last few questions um, for you. One of them I'm kind of super excited to chat about, uh, but I want to know about trendy fitness classes and how it impacts kind of the fitness industry as a whole. Like, I love just the idea of this because um, you had sent me over this as like a possible topic. And I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. You know, like how Orange Theory and we don't have Barry's boot camp here. Um, I don't know if there's any in the Midwest. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but we have Orange Theories. You know, obviously we have the yoga, different style. Core power yoga is really popular mm-hmm. here. Um, that's not my personal favorite, <laughs> but you know. Yeah. Some, a lot of people like it. Yeah. Not mine. It's too hot. I can't do the hot yoga. It's yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how do you think that impacts kind of just our fitness and what we're doing as trainers and what people are doing in the gym? Um, well, so there's pros and cons. I actually, I do love them. I love all the different kinds of studios and all the different kinds of trends because I do think it's getting a lot of people who wouldn't normally exercise to exercise. Granted, it might not be in a way that we as trainers would agree with. I know that there's sometimes getting an instructor certification for something isn't quite up to snuff in, in my opinion, but it does get people to move and you know, whatever it does, it takes to get people healthier, then I'm all for it. On the other side of things, um, it can lead into what we were talking about before where people kind of get stuck into you know, one type of fitness, it, like a Barry's boot camp or an Orange Theory or something, you go to that place, you do that same sort of workout every day or every other day, however often you're going. So it doesn't give a lot of variety. Um, but the beauty of those places is you can pay for a class. You could go to a class at one place one day and one place at the next. So it still requires us to be cognizant of what we're doing and, you know, pay attention to our fitness journey. But I think they are great in that they get people in the door. Yeah. Yeah. I think that too. Cause I, I was thinking too, on terms of, um, you know, what they're doing at orange theory. I've seen a lot of people. So I used, I worked at orange theory when it first opened here in Minnesota for oh cool probably a year when I, so I actually taught school. I was a sixth grade teacher for like two years as well. Fun fact. Yeah. And yeah. so while I was doing that, I, um, that's in the middle of my, I, yeah, middle of my training journey. Um, oh I thought I had to be a teacher because my mom said, yes, you should. Be a <laughs> so I had a two year kind of hiatus from being like full-time trainer and mm-hmm. realized that I preferred to be the training world. Mm-hmm. Um, but during that I taught orange theory and, um, man, like I actually really like the workouts. They're super intense, but we would see people come like five days a week. And I mean, it's really, really hard workouts five days a week. I mean, Monday through Friday and just taking the weekends off. Cause you're 
pounding away on the treadmills and then you're going to be, you know, rowing and, um, you know, doing your lifting routine. And at that time we had to design our own workout routine. So like, which I actually liked, but if you're going five days a week, who's to say that I on Wednesday am not planning very similar body parts or even the same move as, you know, Sam on Thursday, you know, so you could be getting the same things over and over, um, which I, they've switched that now. I don't think they do that. I think they give a, you know, template for the week now. Um, but that's just something also that I was thinking about. I'm like, man, that's, people are just kind of really wearing down their bodies, but I really like the premise of what they're doing. So I've incorporated that in terms of my workouts with clients, because I know they're not going to be doing it on their own, most likely. Um, so like I might, you know, mix in like, Hey, let's go on the treadmill. We're going to do a couple, you know, we have the freedom at this small boutique gym that I train clients out of. Like we'll hop on there for a few minutes, then we'll go lift a little bit. Then we'll maybe hop on the rower and just kind of rotate around in these circuits. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot more of that now than gosh, what did that five years ago when I was at orange theory? So I feel like, you know, just because it's been around for a few years and people are like, okay, they're getting results. People are looking at their workout protocol and saying, well, why? And then now we're kind of as trainers pulling it out and saying, okay, let's keep what's working and let's, you know, move what's not. And so maybe if they are, if you do see a client, you know, it's rare, I would say probably pretty rare that a, someone trains even a client four days a week as a trainer, just because of cost. Um, but if they are doing four days a week or even five, you have the freedom to plan like Monday, we'll do this. And maybe Tuesday, we'll do a little mobility and yoga, you know, Wednesday, maybe we'll hit it hard again. And then Thursday, maybe we'll taper it down and we'll see how you're feeling on Friday, you know, where you have a little bit more flexibility and freedom there. Um, but that's something that I've seen too, with, I guess the classes and seeing how it's kind of thrown into, you know, what we're doing as trainers and same yeah. with yoga. Like I've seen a lot more people doing yoga or yoga moves mobility work, I think in the last few years, um, than I have, you know, in the, what, eight previous years that I've been a trainer. So yeah. those are some of the things that I've seen sprinkled down. I don't know if you've noticed anything like that. From No, definitely. People take what they learn in those classes and they bring it into the gym. The only concern there is that they don't get a lot of attention in those classes if there's, you know, 20, 30 mm-hmm. people in the class. So they might learn the move incorrectly and then they're carrying that forward with them. So I always suggest that people, even if you just go to, you know, a, one training session every couple months or something, just to ask some questions on moves you've learned and kind of refresh your form, it can make a huge difference in not only obviously preventing injury, but results and seeing results. Oh yeah. I had a client who actually did that. She went to, uh, we have this new studio alchemy here and it's, I haven't been to it yet. Um, but she had said, she's like, I'm pretty sure I was, they did the wrong cueing of form. Like she picked it up. Like the trainer demonstrated the wrong thing. She's like, cause I've never heard you tell me that before. And like, it just looked wrong. And I tried it once. It didn't feel good in my body. And so she came to me, you know, the next time that she saw me and asked and showed me and I was like, yeah, I would not recommend that. And I'm so glad that you listened to your body. And so like that to me is super empowering. Even if you have, you know, she had those tools to know this doesn't feel right. Even though you have maybe the pressure in those classes where, you know, you have that trainer, but you're like, you know what, this isn't for me. And just having the courage as a participant to, you know, not do the move. Well, that's a good point you made too. Like a trainer in a gym might be teaching it wrong as well. Like you could have it. It's equally as common to have a bad instructor as it is to have a bad trainer. So listening to your body in that case is key. If something doesn't feel right, if something hurts when you're doing it, then you're probably doing it wrong. So ask somebody else if you need to, but don't do something that doesn't feel right. 
Yes. Uh, um, well, I want to know a little bit more now, um, you know, about your podcast. So the Fit and Nourish Mind podcast with Emily and I did not Emily Goff, right? Yes. 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 Like cough, um, but with a G. That's what she says. Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> it. Uh, tell us a little bit about it and, you know, who would like to listen to this and just kind of what you guys talk about. So it kind of started, um, Emily and I met through our same coaching program earlier, actually around this time last year. Um, and we have a lot of similar ideas around, you know, a healthy lifestyle and what incorporate. She's a little bit more on the nutrition side. I'm a little bit more on the fitness side. Um, but we just always were talking about, like, we talked a lot and we we're always talking about how, you know, everyone is dictating the way that we're supposed to be healthy. You know, don't eat carbs, eat organic don't do cardio, do cardio, get this many steps per day, kind of like what we were saying before. Uh, and a lot of it's just nonsense, honestly, and it's hard to filter through all the crap yeah. sometimes. So our podcast is kind of, we're taking, you know, piece by piece, we'll do one topic, we'll try and simplify it and just talk about something for 20, 30 minutes and give people what we think is the reality of it and what they need to know. And, you know, you don't have to listen to every podcast, but we want people to be able to pick and choose things that they can take and implement in their lives based on what they need and what they want. So it's very much about, you know, building, we say, uh, build a perfectly imperfect lifestyle, you know, mm -hmm. build your own, make it work for you. And we like to help people do that. So that's kind of how it started. Yeah. It's, I've tuned in and I really enjoy it. And I love the, um, I mean, just the realness I feel like from both of you, like I read some of your um, blog posts too, with like just reviewing different studios and classes and, you know, just how you're just straight up honest about it. Like you're not like, you know, just saying, okay, well, I really like this. And, you know, at the end you're like, well, I didn't really get anything from that review. You're like, you're like, here's the good, here's the bad. Here's what I would recommend. You know, like yeah. you actually are doing that where I feel I've read some where I'm like, generally tell me anything like yeah are you sponsored yeah. by this gym you know exactly exactly yeah we're not sponsored or anything and so everything we say and we get real in the sense that we get really personal too like yes. we really share our stories I think it helps having Emily and and I'm sure hopefully me her having me to kind of pull that out a little bit because it's hard unless someone's prompting you. So we have the benefit of that, but we definitely get personal. I mean, like you said, our, the Lyme episode, I went deep and Emily talked about some of her hormonal issues and stuff like that. We want people to feel like we're real people too. And we're still learning this as we go, but there's a lot that's that we can at least help with now. So that's kind of what we're trying to do. Mm, yes. So yeah, yeah, you can definitely check it out. It's over on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Well, last question then, Kate, to finish up. So I always ask my um, final question and it is a weekly challenge I like to give to the listeners. So when I have guests on, you guys get to throw out a little weekly challenge to everyone. So what would you like it to be? So in the spirit of everything we discussed today, I, I would recommend that everyone pick something new for this week to do in terms of their exercise. So if you are a runner, I want you to go try a, maybe a weights class or something if you've never done it before. Or if you're a yogi, maybe try to do a little bit of cardio or something. Try something totally different. Don't try like a different type of yoga or a different, really branch out. It's going to be hard at first, but once you get in there, it'll feel good and it'll, it'll be new and it'll be exciting. And I really recommend that. So I hope I love everyone it. does. I love it. I love it. 
Uh, well, thank you so much, Kate. It's been a pleasure getting to talk to you. And I hope to have on Emily then um, later in, I would say later this year, but yeah, it is this year. I'm all messed up. It is January now. It's crazy. <laughs> 2018 came fast. Oh, I know. Oh. Well, thank you again. And I want everyone to go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power Podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the Peaceful Power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.